0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. Before we get into this episode, I just want to say that there is a little bit of delay that neither Helen and I were aware of. It's not quite as significant as the episode where I interview my friend Kelly, but there is some delay and I apologize for that really within this um, app. There's no way of knowing. So there's a couple times where I cut her off, where she cuts me off, where there's longer pauses, and (laughs) so I'm telling you now, that's why. It doesn't affect the listening. She is amazing. She has some really beautiful insights and things we can do to not only survive this pandemic that we're in, but I would say come out stronger. So I hope you enjoy. everybody. I am here with my friend and really good friend of my sister, Mm -hmm. Jessica. Helen and I are friends too, but I know Helen through my friend. friend. (laughs) She is my friend. She's one of my best friends, my sister, Jessica. I'm speaking today with Helen Springle. She is a therapist and she is comfortable with the pronouns she, her, or they, them. And I've said this before on here, but it doesn't hurt to say it again I am comfortable with she her but really I'm also comfortable with they them I'm I'm I have the freedom as a cis straight woman to to flux and I also want to acknowledge that not everybody has and should have to flux for me does that make sense (laughs) And so I, I think pronouns are really important. So I have asked Helen to um, introduce herself because I just I want her to say what she does as a therapist, where maybe her specialties lie, not just what her specialties are, but maybe what you find the mo- most joy in, Helen, sure. around therapy. So if you want to introduce yourself, that Thank would be you. great.
1: Um, so hello, I am Helen Springle, and um, I am, in fact, a therapist slash clinician. Um, right before all of this stuff with COVID nineteen started happening, I actually signed a lease on a physical office space to move my work into a private practice. Um, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. So right now, my work is sort of shifting. Um, I'm presently investing in that practice, um, and also still working for an agency. So. Um, in my practice, the way that I like to approach my work and what I find most joy in is really looking at um, systems and how systems tend to pathologize people and um, the shift in the culture around mental health. Whereas like when we were, I don't know, when folks who were in their late twenties, maybe even younger now um, and older, there was a wave of this idea that mental health challenges were it was your fault and it was your job to fix them. And, Mm. and that there was something Mm -hmm. inside of the individual that must be wrong. And what I, um, I had a lot of those experiences in therapy as a child and a young adult. Um, And so what I like to do is figure out what, like what are the intersections of someone's identity? How have those identities been marginalized? How have they been impacted? Um, and pathologized in the mental health system to sort of rewrite the narrative that a person has uh, in relation to their own mental health and their experiences around getting treatment. And mm. I by no means do that perfectly. I'm not immune from making mistakes. And I think that um, that's, that's a really important part of therapy is it's a hierarchical relationship. Uh, you can't avoid it. And I think it's super important that the provider walk the person through the experience with full transparency and also own when they make mistakes and and make amends you know Mm. and um yeah so that's like the (laughs) the short answer
0: Mm. I like that I um one of the things that um I don't like I am I'm completely in agreement with you you know the work that I do I also want to be transparent and own the mistakes that I make. I did not have the, that experience in any therapeutic. I wouldn't even call it therapeutic cuz that that's a word that I like that like I think communicates that something beautiful happened but like in my therapy growing up and I'm not going to my adult therapy has been yes, a way better yeah. experience but I I I don't think I have ever had a therapist apologize. Right, to me, correct. Ever. Yeah, me,
1: me either. Um, and you notice that. <laughs> you absolutely notice that. Yeah. Because the participant. Yeah, because I
0: think what that does too is it really solidifies yes. that hierarchy. So yes, there is a hierarchy. We can dismantle that to some degree you know the best that we can to create a a more equal relationship but if the person never can say hey you know what i think i could have done that differently or i'm really sorry that that triggered you that i that was not my intention and and i and i could i should have done better or whatever um yeah i'm reading the body mm, keeps the mm-hmm. score right now and that other one it's by the woman oh god i can't remember her name but it's it's a little more user friendly than the the body keeps the score and she says throughout that book i'll put i'll post it in the notes i just can't remember what it it was recommended by a therapist friend of mine but she apologizes a few cuz it gives her mm-hmm. case studies and she apologizes when she you know even if it wasn't intentional and it kind of like she got sick and missed an appointment with a patient, but that patient had said, you know, going into therapy, you know, they feel betrayed and let down by people and her being sick, set them off. Even though she shouldn't have to apologize for being sick, she owns it. And then the book I'm like, that has never Right, happened.
1: right. <laughs> yeah, and if, if we look at the history of different theoretical orientations that most therapists are taught, um, you know, in grad school, a lot of those providers used to be much older, white, straight, cisgender men, you know, yes. and so, um, yep. now, like, in my graduate program, we did focus on how do you repair a relationship when you make a mistake, and doing it genuinely, um, yeah. I don't believe that that was probably a part of um every curriculum <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> over the course of history no. for sure. Um and and I don't know what that's like across the country. My my particular program um was very heavy in uh social justice type of therapy work. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what the other programs are like, but that is um I think it's absolutely critical and it's such a small thing that we can offer
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I said to you when I asked you to be on here is um, I think so many things have shifted and changed in the last two months that I wanted to. I still want I still want to hear, you know, like, I think it's super exciting that you're, um, you know, going brick and mortar. Thank you. Actual office, but also terrifying. So, I do want to, I don't want to not talk to that to you about, you know, the risk and the excitement, and then also how things have changed because of what's going on. But I specifically reached out to you because, as far as I understand, you are part of a pretty active queer community and you also are a therapist and i have seen things shift and change for myself but i i i switched gears a little bit in this podcast even though the whole focus is usually talking about self-care and spiritual practices or you know emotional intelligence kind of putting ourselves back together and but i wanted to talk to you about what 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 would you i'm trying to how do you see what i know that you've gone everybody's you know i don't are they calling it tele yeah like i do tele- yeah yeah so were you doing that before this also i wasn't um and there
1: <laughs> it's interesting because there okay. was actually a point of time um where I wasn't receiving any inquiries and I was starting to get really nervous because this is like, this is what I've wanted to do my whole life. And it's been, it's been a long road. Um And then all of the sudden over the last week, I've had so many folks reaching out for telehealth services that it's hard for me to get back to everyone um, in one day. So yeah. I, I think people are feeling you know really isolated really distressed like we're all having this common experience um and and that looks different you know from individual to individual but there are these common themes Mm. um and it's 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 interesting because the folks who are reaching out to me actually aren't reaching out necessarily for support around what's happening with the coronavirus um i have folks reaching out Mm -hmm. who you know right now Want to talk about gender identity concerns, and and that's the primary thing mm-hmm. that I, that I'm getting, and, um. You know, it's it's amazing to have the time to be able to, to work with folks in that capacity, um. But it's hard because people are, missing their community, and with with queer people, um, community tends to be the thing that keeps us alive. You know, and and so yeah. many of us have troubled, relationships with family. Um, and some people are stuck with their families.
0: Oh my God. Yes. Oh. Uh, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. and it's hard to be support to that too, because if it's a situation that you can't do much with, um, it's hard to walk somebody through that process of like, of, this is what you could potentially do, um, you know, to, to cope with that or to, um, change the situation like you can't you're trapped with your family and everybody's yeah. afraid of yeah. of contracting this and that's a real threat and um I don't really know what the coping skills for a global health crisis yeah. possibly could be
0: yeah yeah it's almost like um you have to teach survival when really what you want to teach is this isn't the right word but like healing and empowerment and and let's make a plan for how you could get out of this situation right. but you can't right because it's you know it's and it seems to me like in the queer community it's always unsafe there's always somebody's all some almost every story is has has within it like a parent that's been hateful you know a grandparent that's been hateful dangerous situations shaming like from from i wouldn't call shaming small but from shaming to outright physical abuse
1: yeah yeah and
0: so you're already on alert and then you're stuck with your or am know
1: i think all the time about the folks who are in situations right now where they can't escape domestic violence you know and I know I I mean I think that every queer person's experience is different based on additional identity components that could set them up for safety or not you know depending on you know all the things but um, by and large a majority of my community I don't know if I've ever met somebody that hasn't had at least a story to tell where their safety whether it's emotional or physical has been compromised because of their identity. Yeah.
0: What I what I really want to know is, you know, obviously without telling people stuff, how how are you holding space for your clients? I guess is my first question. Is there anything that you're doing a little bit differently that might help people that are listening that, you know, don't have access to therapy or you know, feel kind of trapped and stuck? Anything that um, that you think might help?
1: Well, for starters, what I'm telling folks um, is that it's okay, like, if you are not doing all of the things that you see your friends doing right now, um, there are a lot of people who are, you know, posting, <laughs> this is my body positive <laughs> workout routine, which is great, but like also can be very triggering for somebody who has yeah yeah it was a complicated relationship with their body or
0: I knitted I knitted a whole sweater right right.
1: sure yeah like I'm taking this time to uh, you know do xyz project and just letting people know that that (laughs) I mean I wouldn't even call that normal like I think that that's probably um, somebody who has a lot of uh, privilege to enjoy this time like you have to have a lot of privilege to be able to enjoy folks who are looking yes. at, um, at this as a break and yeah and so it's okay Ugh. like if if you spend the day in bed like your one thing right now is to just survive and not infect other people um yeah and also like owning that you know if i'm working with somebody just owning like i might not have the answers for you like i've never done this before and i'm also trying to figure it out and, you know, what, you know, what do you need for me in the session and really letting people name that and trying to meet them to the best of my ability. Um, and I'm also new, like, I'm still new mm-hmm. at, at doing the private practice thing too. And so this is, um, I think at the end of this, it'll hopefully be a good learning experience for me to hopefully yeah. answer folks.
0: It's almost like, it's almost like you, I mean, neither of us would would choose this but it's like these new norms that are shifting and changing even as they're being created in some ways may potentially revolutionize how we care for people emotionally because just hearing you say that I've never I do that with spiritual direction but I feel like I have a, a quite a bit more freedom than my therapist does to kind of say, Hey, this is your time. You know, here's some things that we can do, but also it's your time. So what do you want to do? And what do you think that you need that would be helpful in this time? That's how I start just about every spiritual direction appointment. But I, and I've had therapists go, Hey, what do you want to talk about today? But I just, I feel like in some ways, maybe it'll shake off some of the I'm not saying that you have cobwebs, but some of the, right, the rules right. that um, therapists feel like they have to abide by, even if they right, don't agree for sure. with
1: them. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, and I think another thing too that I've been considering lately is that a lot of people are losing income, and and a lot yeah. of other people, I you know, especially those in my immediate community are, um, self-employed doing different types of, of work that aren't, aren't necessarily on, um, you know, the the standard payroll with the 401k and the salary that can cover you, um, it's for not being at work. And so people are losing income. And, um, it is my personal belief that mental health services, Um, should be attainable income and cost should not be a barrier. And so that's been interesting to navigate as well. Um, Is figuring out like what, what somebody can pay if it's out of pocket. Um, And also because I'm early um, in the process of getting on insurance panels. And so it has been right now, it's been great because I have this other source of income um, that's floating me that I can offer really, really flexible rates for folks. And I'm I'm hoping that I can continue to do that, but it, it's it, just as somebody who's been in therapy and who appreciates participating in therapy, it is really hard to find affordable services. And it's, it's hard to find somebody who has availability on top of yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it seems
1: like if they
0: are affordable,
1: they're Absolutely. usually maxed yeah. out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I've i been thinking a lot about that, too, because I had recently raised my rates, which I've been trying to do for like six years or something. I don't know. It's been a long time. I even had a client that said, Angie, she now she's, she's also a spiritual director, and she's only been doing it, I think, two or three years, and I've been doing it now, uh, I don't know, like. Probably almost ten years um, and she charges almost the same as me and she was like you need to you need to raise your rates and I so I had recently done that and then I was like, oh timing perfect timing but I always you know I I don't I don't have the option of um, insurance covering what I do so I do have flexibility and I recently put something out and just said I do sliding scales and I will see you for what you can pay because especially now, like, you know, there's, there are people that don't have anybody to talk to. Very true. And that is, I mean, that is in itself isolating, you know, and I think it's hard to, when you kind of like what you're saying about, you know, like, I'm going to write my novel or somebody posted something not that long ago. And it really pissed me off because they had taken their whole family to their beach house. And we're like, this is how we're going to survive the COVID-19. And I was like, I love you, but that is completely (laughs) clueless. You know, like you, most of my community... Is self-employed or they work for very small companies that have closed down. Or I have a friend that's company made her take her two weeks Mm, holiday. mm -hmm. So, okay, well, she still gets paid, but when this is over, she will not have a holiday. You know, and she doesn't get that much holiday anyway. Right,
1: right. So, well, and if you are any kind of like... I don't, you know human services provider anybody who works with other people and holds space for those emotions those breaks i think are very important it's that kind well, of that oh, yeah. analogy but i <laughs> i believe in it is that putting your mask on before you can put the mask on the person next to you like you really have yeah. to prioritize your self-care or that's where it stops Um, and believe me, I'm not good at that all the time either. Like every other day is different for me. A couple days ago, I I honestly spent the day in bed crying and eating cookies. And then today I've been working my butt off all day long and Mm. and I feel very productive, but it's not, it's, it does not have to be something that is consistent, but I think it has to be something that we're mindful about. And unfortunately, you know, especially within agency work or company work, um, those things do not get prioritized for people.
0: No, I mean I think, uh, there you know, therapists and social workers, probably even more social. Anybody that works for a bigger organization or part of the the mill that chops up people, um, you know. Like I had a friend that's um, she worked for one of the best. Homeless Organizations mm-hmm. in Portland I mean they had Massage therapists On call they had Clothing and food mm-hmm. it was amazing mm-hmm. For their Clients for their yeah. workers yeah. Shit They didn't get paid a living wage they didn't get Access to The You know the therapies that were available To their clients right. And even if she was, I think at one point she was like, even if I got, even if I don't make, you know, a living wage, if I could get access to some of these things, I For would feel sure. better about my job. But I think we, you know, especially as a, a culture that commodifies, um, we commodify people and, um, you know, we will just yeah. find the next person to
1: yeah there's a culture of disposals, like folks are disposable they're replaceable um and that's i think that's changing a little bit too at least in this area um where for whatever reason over the last year social service agencies have not been able to fill those positions as easily and i think <laughs> mm-hmm. i have some theories as to why that is but so that's that's shifting a little bit but not enough and the working conditions are not getting any better despite the fact that people are um, not filling those positions as quickly
0: is it similar to here where that you end up with like a hundred clients or like something ridiculous it's not even humanly possible to meet with everybody yes
1: and I, I worked in community mental health here and it was when I was getting licensed And in order to, I think I made, I made like under $22,000 a year and I had scheduled probably 30 clients a week. Um, And it was this fee-for-service position that had a high call-out rate and the clinicians were compensated at a very low percentage um, versus what the clinic ate up from that hourly rate. And so it was incredibly, incredibly hard and they would promise benefits if you could meet a certain quota, but the quota was really, really difficult to meet. So... Um, it was hard. It was really hard. And then at the end of the day, you're expected, yeah. you know, you overbook throughout the day and then you go home and you have to show up and be emotionally available for your loved ones. If you live with roommates or, partners <laughs> yeah. or whoever, um, yeah. it just bleeds out into every aspect of your life. And that, and yeah. then, oh, yeah. you know, in turn, the participant, the person who's seeking support from you also suffers because if you're not getting your basic yep. needs met. Um, or even if you are getting your basic needs met, but you find yourself burnt out at the end of the day, uh, you cannot be of best service to somebody. It's it's impossible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's It's like, what happens to your loved ones because you're not having you have too much on your plate and you're giving out too much emotionally. So then it's either lashing out or isolating or whatever you're doing in, you know, in your house, but then also your capacity to be present and aware and connected to your client is going to suffer because you don't have a space to let your own stuff
1: out. Yeah. So, (laughs) so that's sort of, Well, I'm glad that that... Yeah, it's shifting. It definitely... um, And and I have... You know, I struggle with that as well because I think what ends up happening is because of those working conditions, people do leave the community mental health clinics and they go into private practice where you have more control over your income and the time that you give yourself in the day to actually eat food and and have a sip of water. And um, (laughs) so, but then (laughs) it's like, you know, the folks who... You might have been able to work with at the community mental health clinic then do not get to have consistent providers people yeah. do not stay long there is a high turnover rate and um
0: yeah well how could you physically like you can't sustain yeah that yeah it's forever. Tough. And so
1: it, it is it really is that like bleed down effect where consistency and longevity builds trust and there's so much work to be done in the lifetime that i just think having to shuffle to a new therapist every few months is really um is not a best practice by any means.
0: No, no. Yeah, I, I, this came up um, when I was talking to Karen, my friend here, that's a therapist. And, um, you know, just, I was saying how, I think I reached out to you to, to see if you knew anybody for Brennan. That was a while ago, but um, when it came down to it, we found a great therapist. She even did an hour, like, kind of meet and greet with Brennan to see if Brennan felt like it was a good fit. Brennan loves her. But when we went to, you know, go, we, we have Kaiser. So we went to do the Kaiser thing, and um, she had to do that thing where you call and basically prove. To right. kaiser that you need therapy which i had to do and um it was really traumatizing for me which was interesting to me because i felt like i was in a relatively good place by the mm-hmm. time i found a therapist and then i called and i didn't know they were going to make me do that and i called and the woman who answered the phone was like oh do you have time for the intake it'll take about 20 minutes and mm-hmm. i was like well i guess so so Then I'm on a phone, another phone call with a guy who's a therapist and he's basically wanting me to diagnose myself, use words that, you know, as I was so pissed because I'm like, you are asking me to use words that most people that I know that, you know, assume that I've never gone (laughs) to therapy, please. And then you know, and then you feel like I've got to be maybe something that I'm not feeling like say that I have Uh a panic disorder or say something because you're making it sound like I'm not going to get therapy. And then I had, I got, I could choose from one clinic, didn't know anything about this clinic and this clinic had three physicians. That's it. Luckily I found um, my therapist, Monique and It was great, but I, so when it came to Brennan, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't want her to go through that. And so I talked with her and I said, I don't think you're going to have the same reaction. My reaction was also coming Mm -hmm. through trauma. So it felt traumatizing for me, but she got on the phone and, and the woman kept saying to her, it sounds like you would benefit from group therapy. And Brennan's like, no, I found a therapist. I'm not going to group therapy. I think that you and your mom could go to that over and over again. And luckily, you know, Brennan has a don't cross right. <laughs> me. <laughs> and she's like, she was just like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I found a therapist. Here's uh. her name. But she basically, you know, 20 minute conversation having to prove. Right. And defend herself to a person who, And I'm who like
1: not known her. <laughs> right.
0: Total. Stranger. Yeah, total stranger. When my feeling, and I think probably most therapists would feel this way, it's like, one, everybody has a right to therapy. You shouldn't right. have to have an issue, right. any right. issue at all. But if you do, even even better, even more access. But but that isn't the case. They don't want to pay. And I know why they were trying to make Brennan do group therapy because that's cheaper.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I don't know, you might be aware of this or not, but that in order to bill insurance, somebody has to have a diagnosis. Okay.
0: Yeah. Our therapist gave her like, you know, just from the conversation that she had to had with Brennan, she was like, well, you could say this or you could say this. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of bullshit. providers
1: and especially uh yeah, just a lot of providers in general. I don't want to say especially those in private practice, although often um do not do not share that with with a client that, hey, I have to actually yeah. assign you a diagnosis in order to bill your insurance. Um, I think it's really, really important to be transparent about that. And
0: yeah, she sure was good. That, yeah. that makes me happy. And I think that's that shifting that. too.
1: I think people are being a little bit more in general um transparent about those things as they've continued to receive client feedback but i do know that um even in the you know community mental health oftentimes that does not get shared with the client and we can just put something in the system and and never have to say anything unless the client asks for it so you know that's another another thing yeah
0: there's so many things we don't need to talk about how fucked up the system (laughs) is though
1: this is true this is true (laughs)
0: 'Cause neither of us are probably gonna change it all that much. We're just gonna have to figure out how to work within it and push right. where we can yeah. push. Oh. But um so I don't if you don't feel comfortable talking about this, that's okay. But I wanted to we talked a little bit about your community. And I don't I guess what I Maybe anything, because I, what I want is, I'm being, I'm being vaguer than I normally am. I think if you have any insight for the LGBTQAI plus community, or anything that you're like, well, here's some of the things that we're trying to do, you know, in our community, because I didn't say where you're at. Mm -hmm. You're on the East Coast. Are you... I'm where Midwestern are you you're not in connecticut yeah okay you know like we here's what we're doing to kind of help each other sustain like i think you told me the other day that you guys were all yeah. watching a movie together on yeah, you know, <laughs> was um, it on zoom
1: has well i guess in order to do that you have to have a paid zoom account so if somebody has a paid zoom account but um netflix has if you have netflix has a party feature too where you can at least chat with your friends while you're Ooh. watching a movie um but yeah it's been ha- it's been hard to stay connected um like I I know that my community hasn't gone anywhere and I will tell you that after we watched that movie together I felt so much better um but a lot of oh, good. text check-ins and especially for your your friend who normally doesn't um quote-unquote need the support I feel like those people are really important to check in on right now because they're probably not speaking out saying that they would Mm. like a phone call um
0: oh that's good that's good because i can be that person totally
1: (laughs) um it can be hard and especially right now because we know that everybody's impacted in some way and i think there can be this feeling of like i don't want to be a burden but really it's like probably somebody needs to hear your voice too and if you can get them out of Mm. their own head it's Mm -hmm. actually a win-win so i think you know, like that voice on voice contact can be, can be super helpful. I think moving it beyond text message, um, is important and.
0: Yeah. 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 One of the, my friend Molly, she's the one that, um, her, you know, company asked her to take her two weeks holiday. So, you know, she's, she's trying to pinch pennies. Turns out she's not going to lose her job, but couple other friends of ours were at cash and carry and do you know what cash Mm -hmm. and carry is it's like a grocery for supplies for restaurants and stuff so our friends were there and molly loves to bake and you couldn't buy any flour anywhere and so they bought her a 50 pound bag of flour because that's the (laughs) only size that cash and carry has but molly was like does anybody need flour? And so I took over a couple um, containers, and you know we she filled them up, and then we stood six feet apart and or whatever, and talked. And she, you know, her neighbors were walking by. Hey, does right. anybody need flour? And she said it felt so good for her because she has she felt yeah. like she had so little that she could give because right. she doesn't have extra money or you know extra resources. And normally she's like the person that hosts the dinners and you know, she's a really amazing cook and she, so she'll do the things that she can do. And now those things have been really whittled down. So she was like, oh my God, give, you know, I'm so excited to be able to give you Yeah,
1: Totally. Anything is everything right now. And I think there's a nice balance between like, don't be hoarding, but also if you don't have anything to give, like that's, that's okay. Like don't bleed yourself either. Yes
0: um yeah yeah I think that that like that middle ground of like checking in with yourself if you are freaked out just doing you know like you were saying doing the other things that you can if you don't have if you're worried for your resources that is fair
1: yeah it's totally fair
0: you you could you know do the thing that maybe you're good at and you know maybe yeah. you're good at FaceTiming. You know, maybe you're the person that's really good at checking in on people. And if you're not, if you don't have that capacity either, that's okay.
1: That might change day to day too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Have you been able
0: to do walks and stuff or have they forbidden you? So they just started shutting down
1: a lot of the state parks last week, but um, I have never seen so many people out walking in my neighborhood in my entire life. So definitely. (laughs) Um, <laughs> there are more people who live in Western Mass than I thought, <laughs> but so I, have been trying. you know, I have a really, really lovely rescue dog who requires a lot of attention and has, um, is medically compromised. And yeah. so he needs, he needs a lot of water. He needs a lot of, um, exercise in small bursts because he can't, he, he can't go for mm-hmm. the long run. Um, so I have to be out, which is actually wonderful <laughs> because that really helps for my own Yeah. Um, mental health to be with him and be moving in a way that we both experience as joyful
0: yeah yeah that sounds similar to here um i think last week the parks closed you can still sort of go on some of the trails in forest park but they have signs up and so now if i if i am able to get out there i'm wearing you know i'll take a mask with me And, um,
1: if I see somebody
0: coming, I'll put it on and then stand off the trail or whatever. But yeah, I've been, I've been walking the dogs Mm -hmm. a lot and the same, like Helen, you would not even believe it. Like Mississippi (laughs) street is like, there's, there's parking (laughs) everywhere, (laughs) but I too have seen more people out walking than ever before. And uh, it's been interesting because that's one of the things I've noticed too. And I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, for the most part, I would say 90% of the people seem friendlier than they normally are. Yeah. Which has been, which has been nice to just be like, like I was walking by somebody the other day with my mask on and I was like, you can't see me smiling at you, but I am. (laughs) because it's so weird like brennan was wearing her mask and uh she looked at me and she goes can you tell i'm smiling and i said yes because i know you and your eyes are twinkling right like i'm not glaring
1: at you i promise because (laughs) especially if somebody starts to get too close you never know how that could be (laughs) perceived if you can't see someone's mouth but yeah exactly it's true I I do think people have been um greeting each other more than we're probably all starved for human connection
0: (laughs) yeah exactly it's so weird like I I wore you know I'm making sure to wear it if I have to go into a store and I thought you know they stopped letting kids wear Halloween masks at school like probably 15 years ago because I covered the face right. and now we're all wearing yeah. masks over our face. I promise right. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to rob you. Yeah. It's just a weird, a weird time. Do you have anything else like anything else that within your community that might be helpful or anything that you're like, oh, we're thinking about mm. trying this.
1: I mean, because you know, we're all working with a limited set of tools but one of the things that I've discussed with a few of my community members is just setting up regular time to hang out virtually whether it's watching a movie together or Mm. just doing a Skype session just being consistent so that we don't lose that level of human interaction and I think that's important too even if you live with people or you have a partner or you have children whatever it is yeah. I think just making that time if you are lucky enough to have it to see other faces or hear other voices oh yeah, um, is kind of the only thing <laughs> really that we've got right
0: yeah what else can we do yeah Brennan that's been nice because Brennan and Zion, Zion usually talk every night um, you know, on FaceTime or check in with each other, but um, she has been, and I think that's the, I'm, I'm not finishing my thought, but, you know, she, that's the good thing about this younger generation. It's nothing to them because yeah. they're doing it already. I mean, it is something. It's hard to be, not be able to right. see your friends. And, you know, Brennan had her 18th mm-hmm. birthday in our house with her parents, right, not right, her but... dream birthday. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and she's She doesn't really care about, you know, prom, but she did want to go because it's, you know, this is her senior year. She wanted to do all the senior things and uh, like, they might not go back to school. They're saying now in Portland, they may not go back to school. Yeah. So, you know, all of these pivotal events for, you know, especially seniors right now in high school and I'm guessing college it's such a weird time, but luckily they do know how, they already are staying connected and had been through, you know, things that some of us were not utilizing as much as I would sure. say Brennan is utilizing. Cause I'd much rather be face to face with somebody.
1: <laughs> and it's been interesting to See what different agencies are doing to be creative with this i mean for those of us that who have access to internet or a phone or a computer because of course not everybody does but um yeah i i think like there are tons of things cropping up that are being made available for free like for example and, and I, I don't know the website off the top of my head but um all of the major museums right now are offering free virtual tours and then there's like yeah this really wonderful agency out in vermont um and they are doing like queer rural farmer drop-ins and um, different things like that where you can get to connect with folks. I did a, a poetry writing cool. workshop with, um, I pro- which I probably wouldn't have done otherwise <laughs> if, if this wasn't going on. So um, Yeah, yeah. Because I am somebody who would be too shy to show up to something like that in person for the first time. Um, so yeah. there are things I think it's just the hope is that we can connect with them. I I don't know you know, for folks who live without internet access or um, people who might not be really tech savvy, um, what the solution is. Mm -hmm. But I think in any way that we can be checking on each other without risking exposure, we should be doing.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. I think, um, I mean, that's, we we have to do what we can do, and that's what we can do. And at least here that that's been the biggest hurdle for Portland public is um, you know that was why they were so afraid to shut down is so many kids depend on.
1: Yes, yes, the food. It's yep. their
0: only two meals a day. And so they figured that out. It was super cool. They did a they did like 15 campuses. so you didn't have to be go to your school to get the food you could go to the nearest one to you and they did like a huge you know um plastic bag full of like fruit and sandwiches and stuff and then they also had like a whole table with learning supplies for kids to like there were books that the kids could take home and you know math books and reading books and stuff and that's been the thing that they just now are finally figuring it out you know todd's a teacher so they're just starting to ramp up and do live things but that's been the biggest thing is Mm -hmm. lack of internet and lack of devices so you know because most of the time people go to the library and you can't go to the library and
1: even if you had access to those things if you're not receiving you know proper nourishment how 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 can you learn you know so i'm glad to hear that that's happening Um, in your area on the West coast as well, because that is, you know, I've been curious about what's going on over there regarding the food and um, school system. We definitely are doing the same thing over here in Western mass. And so my hope is (laughs) that that's common practice in most places.
0: Yeah. And I think it's just, people have to think outside of the box. It's like, you know, figure it out. Right. Like, (laughs) like, These, you know, I think it's a really good time for Mm -hmm. us to look at our privilege, even though we don't like to, and and acknowledge like there was a there was something that somebody posted like before we went and suggested like lockdown Mm -hmm. or shelter in place or whatever. Um the, the person was like, just like call it already. And I'm like, Right. Yeah, it's not that easy. Yes. Your kids can, your kids have access to everything they could possibly want. And I'm very gra- grateful that they have that, but so yeah. many kids do not. And their being at yeah. home is a yeah. danger to
1: them. Absolutely.
0: No, not across the board, but it's like what you were talking about. You know, if you are trapped with, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in a violent home or you have sexual abuse in your home you're you are yes. trapped with the enemy right now
1: yes yeah
0: and so so to just right. say shelter right. in place you know okay yeah.
1: what if you live it's really outside just not thinking like that's what you know they say like privilege is not having to think about it right so like when we think about these policies or yeah. these shots that need to be called oftentimes our knee-jerk reaction is to think about how those things would benefit us directly somebody within our same social location and you know and then everything else is an afterthought and that's unfortunately the people who are also responsible for calling these shots are not often thinking about um the most vulnerable communities who are going to be impacted by it but it's something right now where you know one person might be experiencing oh I have all this free time to paint and to you know build or to raise chickens or whatever you know like I'm we're we actually are getting yeah. um, chicks. So it's something we're doing during this time. And that's great. But then also Ooh, like, yay. <laughs> that's not the situation or the story for so many other people. This is their absolute worst nightmare. Yeah. And how do you, you can't reach, you can't reach yep. people right now. Um, and yeah. so just being aware yeah. of that and, you know, and that awareness, um, it, I think the hard thing to swallow is that that awareness alone is not going to do anything. Um it's going to take work and where can you do work? Yeah. And,
0: and it's fatiguing, (laughs) I think. Yeah. And it's fatiguing, but you're right. I mean, I, I think one of the things that I'm hopeful for is people that never have to look at this, maybe because it's more on their radar than Mm -hmm. normal. They will, they will consider it. They will think about, you know, people that are hungry, people that are trapped in unsafe places, because more news outlets are talking about that yeah. than maybe they normally would. And so that gives me hope. But, you know, the the right. systems are the yeah. problem. And you know, the systems need to be I mean, I would say mm-hmm. probably burnt mm-hmm. down. <laughs> But needing something to replace them that is equal. And there's no, you know, and I think because our roots are, the roots are in Mm -hmm. racism Mm -hmm. and sexism and all of the isms, then, you know, it's not as simple as burning it down and building it back up. It's like, it's, it's throughout our entire, everything, everything has some of that racism in it and sexism and it, you know, all of the phobias too. It's all in there. And, um, my hope is that at least, you know, maybe people's attention span will be a little bit longer than it normally
1: is. I would hope so. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But switching gears, um, sort of, what, what do you normally do for self-care? And has that changed at all for you in this time? Have you amped up? Have you changed? Have you switched anything? You know, because one one of the things that I've noticed is, um, I'm, I think maybe I'm starting to find a rhythm, but I probably not. But I'm like (laughs) all of the things (laughs) I'm I'm doing mindfulness, I'm doing mantras, I'm walking the dogs, I'm breathing, I'm doing yoga. I'm like, I'm trying to do not every day, but I'm trying to do like, you know, grounding exercise, like all of these things more often than I normally do, just because I'm trying to see if anything will bring comfort or stability. And it's different every day for me. But I was curious for you if
1: Sure. What would yeah. you say and, about that? Um, I like what you said about how it's different every day too. Because one of the things I'm trying to keep in mind is that like self care doesn't have to be the same thing every single day. Because sometimes it feels for me like if I'm not sticking to one routine, then it's not something substantial. Which is so not true. Because I think as humans, living, breathing organisms, we need yeah. different <laughs> things at different times. Um, But one of my go-tos, which your sister actually introduced into my life, and I've been doing this for years now since I've um, met her, is, and I definitely don't do this every day, but several times a week at least, I will write a very short gratitude list, whether or not I want to and whether or not I believe that it's impacting anything. And that's because my brain, Mm. and I think the human brain in general, because we have this survival instinct, is to scan for problems is to scan for where things can go wrong <laughs> yes. and catastrophize, or maybe I'm speaking on a personal level. I can catastrophize. <laughs> um, so I try oh, just trying I to like, rewire my thinking or taking a moment to, to see what I'm grateful for. And th- that list changes. Sometimes it's, it's feels a lot bigger. And other times it's just the cup of coffee I get in the morning. Um, so that's something that I yeah. really try to do for self-care. Um, walking my dog, like I said, is, um, I would even say a spiritual experience because I love that guy. Mm, And so just being with him in that bonding way (laughs) is, you know, so huge for my self-care. Um, and I think like, I, (laughs) one of the things that I also like to do, and it's nothing, it's not one specific thing, but just ritual, like You know, I do a lot of stuff with Mm. um, tarot, actually, and oracle cards and, yeah, um, you know, collecting different rocks or things that speak to me in nature, as long as it's something that I can take without being too disruptive. And I'll build little altars for Mm -hmm. healing for um, myself or other people or with intention. Like right now, I have one going for um, the ability to be of service in my practice and, um, Mm. continue to build that during this time and just having some kind of ritual in a way that is not culturally appropriative, um, has been meaningful Mm. to me. And, and I grew up, you know, I was kind of forced into, um, Roman Catholicism for a while until I decided to drop out of my confirmation when I fell in love with my first, um, girlfriend, essentially, at the time. Um, And, and that sort of, in that practice, like there were rituals that um, I was taught that for a long time, I had a problematic uh, relationship with because, because of what was taught to me. Mm. And I'm not, I'm by no means saying that that is all of what um, Catholicism is because there are definitely some liberal communities out there that are really doing wonderful things with reinterpreting the the writings and such and being more inclusive but for me that was my experience and so coming back to ritual and being able to create my own ritual has been sort of like re-empowering myself to connect with spirituality in a way that is inclusive.
0: I love that. I love that. Now, let me ask you a question about it because I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I'm going to borrow this. <laughs> like, because it seems like there's an element to it that would feel good to me because yes. it's also doing something. You know, you're, it's a ritual, which is, you know, enough and beautiful on its own. But especially in this time when we can't connect on a physical level, you're physically building an altar that's for a friend or for your community or for your practice. And I think that there's something really attractive about
1: that. Yeah. It's nice to be able to have something to, to look at, to kneel in front of, to speak to that, you know, that can speak to Mm. you. Um, Something where you can go every day and light a candle. So at least you feel like you're participating. It's not like a one and done type thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it helps it helps a lot, and especially during times that are sort of metaphorically dark <laughs> you know in a sense to, br- to bring mm. some light yeah, um, yeah. And, and to just be present with that and um, and especially with meditation with folks like I struggle to meditate, and I think being able to sit and look at the flame of a candle for like a minute, you know something that you created with mm. your hands for a good yeah. reason um, can be such. For, for me. And it's not going to be the same for everyone, but can be such a soothing practice.
0: Yeah. Well, and just, just hearing you talk about it, anybody doing it would, would have their own take on it. Yeah, I love the shrine. I know my sister's big. She has her shrine. I think that's what she calls it, you know, where she has special things to her, I don't know if she uses candles or incense, but just a place where she can go. And I think the place can also be like grounding and centering, like you said about the candle.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Because, you know, because it's
1: there. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Well, I don't wanna to take too much more of your time. I really appreciate, I, I mean, if you have any anything else you wanna add um anything you want to plug
1: um anything i want (laughs) to plug i guess if anybody has any any questions or feedback or wants to correct anything that i've said or if anything that i has said um throughout this time has offended anybody feel free to email me (laughs) and let me know do you mind if i give my email address okay
0: No, go for it. And I'll put it in the notes from
1: the ground up therapies at gmail.com. So plural therapies, um, just, and I'll, the reason why, um, is because I'm actually going to start incorporating some of the, um, my own medicines and salves and things that I make at some point, (laughs) but right now that's not where my focus Mm. is going. um, but so from the ground up therapies at gmail.com. And, um, you know, I would love to hear from you. I just want to make sure that I leave space open to, um, get that feedback if that feels important.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that. I also, um, are you only able to see people in Western mass or Massachusetts? I can't even say that. Um, I can see folks
1: pretty much anywhere. It, the, the only barrier would be insurance, but, for out of pocket pay, there are no limitations, and yep. I'm absolutely flexible on sliding scale. But some insurances will cover telehealth nationally, so it just kind of depends. So I, I always yeah. do leave that open. If anybody um, wanted to chat about that, I'm, I'm totally fine with that as well. Those types of inquiries.
0: And you're are you I currently am, yes. taking clients? Yeah. Great. Okay, so I'll I'll make sure could they could they find you through your email is that the best way for that if they're like I definitely want to meet with Helen or at least see if it's a possibility would would the best thing for them to do
1: yeah and I can actually send you my I don't know if you want to link this but my psychology today profile talks a little bit about how I work and um, who I specialize in working with so yeah that would be
0: that would be great if you could just even just um, text it to me. I would love that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Helen. I really appreciate it. I know it was like spur of the moment, but you have a very calm, wise steadiness about you that I really think helps people because there are certain people I think that, it's okay to not have that, but it does help to talk to somebody even if they're saying, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with my you know, with this risk I do, just took or what's going to happen in my community and it's scary, but somehow you're managing to exude calm at the same time as talking about scary things and I think that well, is thank you, because a real because from the gift. inside
1: I'm for sure trembling. <laughs> so... <laughs> but oh,
0: um oh me too. Yeah. But thank you. (laughs) Here's some hot takes. Enjoy the hot takes, not the hot cakes, just the hot takes. So I want to nerd out for a second. Um, What is your favorite medicine to um, make?
1: I have a friend who um, introduced me to Firesider and she, her, um, uh, she has a store in Portland, it. Oregon called homebody and her company is roots and crowns PDX. Absolutely wonderful stuff. She's amazing. Um, Ooh. so she introduced me to Firesider and I love making it. My, my mother actually has a lot of severe, um, chronic pain and, um, it's, it's all like inflammatory type stuff. And I made it for her to try to help ease the pain. And she, honest to God, she's tried so many things. But since she's been taking the fire cider regularly, the pain has gone away.
0: But... Whoa! I make... I I just got into it this winter. Well, you know, like, the end of the summer, I started making it. And um, I think it saved us. it's
1: it's amazing. My my supervisor at my other job takes it, too, and um, she has sworn that this is the reason she's been able to get through the winter without getting sick. So it's a miracle and I I credit my knowledge of that to um, my friend, Max, who lives in Portland. So if y'all are out there, you should go check out. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I'm going to, I've never um, even heard of her.
1: She has an Instagram, the Roots and Crowns PDX. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. Please. Okay, so I wanna tell you something that I discovered and maybe you know about it already
1: oh yeah yeah
0: have you have you made juniper oil
1: before you you spoke to that something I I um, saw I saw you talking about it I heard you talking about it
0: well it's the weirdest thing so I went to Montana I was have I was in a really dark it was I was doing some archery workshops but it was also kind of a dark time and it was just just me and Jacob Jessica Jessica was working and it was great you know being with him and working and but i there was some inner stuff going on with me and so i took some really long walks out there and i kept seeing this bush i couldn't figure out what it was you know ended up being juniper cut a bunch of branches down with the berries so my luggage was full of my archery equipment and this huge <laughs> Huge grocery <laughs> bag awesome. of juniper. And, and I made the oil, not really knowing much about it. And, you know, I just, I had it. And, you know, now I know people make uh, liquor and stuff with it. I didn't really know anything about it. So I made the oil. And then I then I turned that oil into a salve or a balm or whatever you want to call it and i did some research it's really good for mm. female problems so pain in the ovaries urinary tra- tract infections any anything in that area but i also read this thing that said it's really good for like muscle pain or broken broken finger toe stuff like that and i was like yeah right so i my friend that taught me about the firesider lives in Texas, and so when I went to do archery workshops there, I took her some. And I said, "I haven't used much of the juniper, but you know, I'm excited about it." So here it is. Her adopted daughter, Gabrie- Gabby, Gabby um, broke her toe. She remembered that the juniper was supposed to be something good for that in a minute wow the pain was gone
1: yeah
0: and I kind of was like yeah whatever then it happened to Todd like a few months later he stubbed his toe in the middle of the night pretty sure he broke it and I was like oh let me get you something he's like no it's fine it's fine I go no I want to try it so I ran in got my juniper put it on in 30 seconds his toe wow that's amazing Yeah, so I keep it on hand now for like muscles, and I usually put it, the, the one I made my friend, it was juniper oil, um, St. John's wort oil and some um, cottonwood oil because mm-hmm. cottonwood mm-hmm. is natural aspirin. And then I mixed it and made a salve. But I am like... So for for like people who
1: like with ovaries or people who menstruate, is it good for cramps and such too? Can you take it... Do you rub it externally or... is
0: it? You rub it externally. And um, I think even for people that don't have ovaries, if you have urinary tract problems, it could work for that. It's external. Apparently you can also take a tincture internally. I don't usually make that one because there's so many benefits from using the oil. But yeah, it's externally. I think if you used it on a regular basis, it would help with cramps. Um, Brennan tends to have cramps. All of a sudden I was like, maybe she doesn't (laughs) want me to talk about that on here. Whatever. But she she hasn't used it regularly enough for me to really be able to gauge. But my friend has really bad knees, and she uses a on her knees, and it is well.
1: That's amazing. Transformative. Um, this is something I can also take back to my mother. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah, and if you
0: want, um, I'll make you some. I have some. Oh my gosh! And I'll send you some. So just give me your address, and you can give your mom a little. It'll give oh me something gosh. to thank do in so these much. dark times. So much. <laughs> Yeah, I'll make you, I'll make some for your mom. That would be great.